0: you can have banter but equally you can have deep serious conversations
1: they need aeroplanes that can get people on wheelchairs strapped in
2: it has changed my life miraculously
1: i want to be lewis
3: that's who i want to be i don't want to be the poor little disabled boy
4: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Knights Foundation Podcast. My name's Lewis Mason. I am with our youth ambassadors as always. Hello, Milo. Hi. Hi, Sophia. Hi. Hello, Lewis. Hello.
1: Hello, Cal. How are we doing?
4: Oh, we're very, very good. And we've got a guest. It's so exciting when we have a guest. Lewis, But I think you should do the introductions here. Oh God, here we go. Big introduction. Come on. Uh,
3: The one and only Vanessa O'Shea. In other words, my mum.
4: Hello there. <laughs> Welcome Vanessa. So lovely to have you. Um I don't know what question to start with. Has anyone got a question?
3: Who's your favourite child?
2: Well, uh, I have three.
4: That didn't answer the question. Right. Did it? Thanks
3: for uh, thanks for joining the podcast. We'll see you later.
0: <laughs> I think it was just like interesting to have like a different dynamic within the group because obviously we're speaking from kind of first person experience not necessarily having a complete understanding of like what it is for those around us and the network of people that support us so I think that was the main reason for like bringing you
2: on is just to kind of get your perspective on things it's both challenging and rewarding it has changed my life miraculously um, from being very materialistic to um, someone who cares more about the little things now and those things that are important to just people being happy. I think as a mum, there's always a little going to get emotional now, but a little little sadness in your heart that you would like to take away that challenge, that block for the, for your child. Um, and I think that's probably the hardest part of being Lewis's mum is that I actually. I want to I I'd swap legs with him. You know, it's that yeah, just watching him go through the challenges and go through um disappointments, isolation. I think lockdown definitely made me realize quite how isolated you were um in terms of that was your every day and you know, we only had to go through it for a short period of time comparatively. So, I think that's why we've kind of reached out these kind of forums are brilliant and, and the events are brilliant because you're with like-minded people and you really come into your own, um, particularly when you're playing basketball. Um, you come into your own and you're way more independent in that in that situation.
0: He's quite an avid basketball player, aren't you, love?
3: Yeah, I'm all right, but average,
4: yeah. Oh, I think you're a bit better than average, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, not really. I
1: remember in school I used to always say, I, I reckon you'd be in the Olympics in." I um, remember, I'd always say that.
3: Well, uh, we'll have to wait another four years, yeah, maybe. one day, soon
1: coming. Huh?
0: You've definitely got
4: the drive for it, though.
3: 100 I, I used to, do well, yeah. I don't think I do at the, at the moment, but I'm, I'm trying to get back to it.
4: When you've seen the Paralympics and how big that's become in more recent games, does that give you a inspiration? Does it give you a drive to maybe be there one day? Yeah,
3: it definitely is, especially as I, I mean, playing wheelchair basketball, I basically know everyone on the Great Britain men and women's team. And you would think that, you know, when they get scouted for GB or whatever, they sort of detach themselves from other people because they're like, oh, my God, look at me. You know, I got uh, I got scouted for GB or whatever. And if anything, they're way more kinder because they know what it's like to try and get to that level. And I haven't got to that level yet, but I'm close. So, yeah.
4: Need to start going on holiday when the uh, the big trials happen. Yeah,
3: so I... um just before i've just actually come back from spain yeah Fangarola. um and before that i had trials for the south of england i got in but i couldn't actually go to this one because i was in spain and my team got third which is annoying because every other time i got scouted for them they got like fifth or six out of like seven and then the one maybe time something I... in that though what the fact that i'm not gonna <laughs>
2: the fact that you weren't there and they got third yeah, yeah maybe, maybe. You know, like there is nothing that I am prouder of than your determination to when you're on the court you're you are fearless you are yeah, you are. You you say you look as though you you know but he's very kind of modest about it as well. But it's incredible and, and actually you being disabled has opened so many different doors um, for us as a family in lots of different ways. You know, experiences that we would never have had had you not been disabled. Like you know, front of the queue passes at Disney. Um, you know, all of those kind of things. But you know, even even when we're on holiday, you know, we get special assistance. We don't have to wait in the long queues. There are definitely advantages. But I'd. I'd swap them. As I said earlier, I would swap every single one of those experiences for you to, I I wouldn't say be different, but for you to be able to come to terms with your disability and your, you know, your challenges.
4: Can we go back quite a way back? And I think Lou said in a previous episode, it was in Qatar, Mm -hmm. did you find out that Lou was disabled? Yeah. What were your thoughts at this time?
2: Um, I was absolutely terrified. So I'd come back to the UK for Christmas and just before I went I had a scan just to make sure everything was all right with the baby. I'd come back because my dad was very poorly um, and they said, oh, baby's a bit on the small side, um, come back and have another scan when you get back. Um, and it was the only time that I didn't go to the scan with Lewis's with dad and they just kept going over and over and over his head. Um and I became more and more panicked. I'm in a foreign country. I'm not really understanding what they're saying, but I knew something was different. The consultant called us in and um, Lewis's dad came just as we were, I was being called in. And she told us that, um, she thought that Lewis had hydrocephalus. And of course that, that means nothing um, at the time because you don't know um, what that is. You have no idea. And They offered me a termination that day and actually encouraged me to have a termination that day. I was 29 weeks pregnant. Um, And I fell to pieces, you know, like this is my baby. I didn't know um, what this meant for him. I called my sister who is a pediatric nurse in Australia. And she said to me, Vanessa, just go home. You You need to talk to people that understand where you're at you're understanding what they say Um, so within 24 hours we were back in the uk having lived out in qatar for five years in that 24 hours we had the most amazing support from the expat community there we had people getting us on flights we had people come and help me pack Um, and then we got back to the uk we had to wait for appointments to see the fetal medicine specialists and In my heart, I knew that there was absolutely no way I was giving this baby up. So we went through weeks of every time you went down there, they would tell you something that um, could be wrong with your baby. And that was incredibly hard. And at 33 weeks, um, they offered me a termination as well. That week was horrendous. The following week, we went back and they said, on ethical grounds, we can't offer you a termination. So yeah, then we... Lewis arrived with 14 doctors in the room had surgery that day and then it was you know weekly hospital visits uh, He had a shunt put in two weeks later not as many as Milo though <laughs> um, but yeah it yeah it it was tough it was really really tough and somebody once said to me just a little part of your heart always has a little bit of sadness That it's your child that's going through this and then there's other situations where you kind of look around and realize how grateful you are that you know he was brought into our lives and you know changed changed me for the better for sure changed me for the better for sure
0: I think we're all just like very stunned because it's not often that you tend to be in an, an environment where you are so open with each other you know each other and you can have banter, but equally you can have those deep, serious conversations and for you to share that with us because we speak from experience of what we've experienced as people living with disabilities, but it's not often we can hear from the horse's mouth what it's like of those people that's kind of experiencing it and our network of support and the kind of emotions that they go through when we're brought into this world and the kind of future that we're kind of destined to have, I can't imagine what that must be like. So thank you very much.
4: You're listening to The Knights Foundation podcast. The Knights Foundation provides support and equipment to disabled, deprived and seriously ill children and their families. Find out more at thenightsfoundation.org. So every week on the podcast we have a different theme We've got a couple that we're ready to go through today. As our guest, Vanessa, you can choose which one we're going for. It's one of two, don't have both, come on. Future plans. Okay, there's a punch in the air from Lewis. Why, is, why has that gone straight?
3: I don't know, I just didn't know what the other one was and that sounded cool. Yeah.
4: Go on then, when you think future plans, what comes to your head straight away? Uh, oh, well, I've obviously left
3: school now, so I'm going into college. I'm gonna go to Andover College, do criminology. Uh, with the hopes of, if I can't pursue basketball as a career, I want to do my part for the country and go into like counter-terrorism in the metropolitan police or military intelligence. Because I've always had an obsession with the military. Uh, And me being in a wheelchair is I can't, you know, go to a war theater and go shooting or whatever. Um, So I'm trying to find different avenues that I can do where I'm still a part of an outcome.
4: What's the what's your love about representing your country? You've mentioned that a couple of times.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, I think it all stemmed from the military. So I live in quite... Well, I lived in quite a military-oriented oriented village, uh, in t- so near Tidworth, uh, where there's a lot of military people because they get posted there, right right on Salisbury Plains, which is a big military training ground. And I've just always... Always been obsessed. I I used to go to the Army Flying Museum in Middle Middle Wallop and I would just spend hours there just looking at planes and all the technology that's behind it. And I love... It's not just the technology behind stuff, but it's, like, the secrecy behind it. I love the fact that there could be special forces doing a raid right now, and we don't know about it. And then in two or three years' time, it'll be on the news. It's really interesting to me.
1: I'm sort of similar. I have the same interests. I never really... I did at one thing, wanted to pursue a career in it and then I realised I was getting nowhere with that. Um but yeah, I come from like a a police background like my dad. All of his friends are police. Um and then I've had relatives that were in the army and so I share that similar passion and then I um think I l that being a air traffic controller in the military, but you have to go on operations and that, and it wouldn't work. I've
2: heard now that they are trying to look at specific roles within the military yeah. that can be, you know, uh, given to to uh, disabled people as as a sort of civilian part of yeah. the military, not active service. But I've heard that the government are starting to look into that now because there are so many roles, especially with, you know, like technology as it is now. Um, where you don't actually have to be present in that situation to be able to see what's going on. So it's worth considering, you know, like pursuing that, if that is your passion. And
4: Milo, I know you're at a very different stage. These guys go off to college and university. Have you thought what your future, let's say like the next five years, what do you really want to achieve from kind of school?
5: Because school, I really want to just do well with art because I've already getting commissions from people then that would be my career planned because I don't really have a plan B. That's it. What is it about art it that just, you it, love? I can zone out. Just zone out for hours and do it. It's just calming.
4: Sophia, you're off to university.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I am. I'm off to uni in September, um, Reading University to study law. So that's going to be interesting. I've wanted to do law since about eight and I had an experience probably in about 2015, that kind of solidified that for me. It was to do with medical negligence at hospital. An experience happened. And at that point in time, because of one reason or another, we couldn't make a claim. There's also a lot of experience around like, if you make a claim, how does that affect your relationship with your doctors? Because they still remain your doctors and you don't want the lack of support for your child or for your needs but we couldn't make the claim at the time and for me it kind of put a fire in my belly because I want to help people that can't necessarily advocate for themselves I have a lot of friends that have a lot of cracking personalities but people wouldn't know because they don't tend to go over and openly speak to them or want to get to know them because they're afraid I I think that's the thing they're afraid of their abilities and what they can and can't do Now, one of my friends, she's got a cracking personality. Her name's Lavanya, and um, she's into musical theatre. She's actually studying up in London, university up in London. You'd never think that. But a lot of people just tend to assume that because people like that are quite retreated within themselves because of how their disability affects them, that they they don't have a voice. And what I want to do is I want to be like, no, they do. And I'm going to be that source and that channel for them to actually speak out and advocate for other people because I never had someone growing up that was like me. I never had someone to look to and I don't want a child that could be born today in many, many years' time not to have someone to look to and go, if she did it, I can do it. So that's my plan, but hopefully it works out.
4: My well, love it. you've all touched on different industries. You've got the arts, you've got um, obviously coming into the arts, you're from with musical theatre, law, military, there's, there's so many areas that you're looking at. How do you feel opportunities are open to you now, more than maybe they have been in the past? Maybe it's more of a question for you, Vanessa, in terms of thinking about Lewis and how he's going to move forward. Do you feel there's been progress in in industries where they have got the opportunity,
2: I think I think there's a lot more diversity, and I think that companies are kind of compelled to um, have a policy in place. Um, how that actually translates in a practical sense, I guess I'm yet yet to to work out. Um, but I am encouraged. I'm encouraged that um, people are starting to live more meaningful lives, and you know, go into careers. I know that. Um, Cameron um, he's a barrister um, and he's a full-time wheelchair user he played basketball for GB he's getting on with everyday life so I think I think it gives you hope that you know the same could be available for you know your own your own offspring but yeah I mean I I still think there's a long way to go and I think that I'm kind of backtracking a little bit now but looking at Lewis's potential to be in the Paralympics when when we went to the Paralympics in 2012 I cried because I looked at those people on there and I knew that they hadn't just trained to get there as many able-bodied people do they'd faced hospital appointments they'd faced um, you know uh, operations or you know setbacks with illness Um, their families had driven them pretty much everywhere in order for them to achieve that so that that Paralympic achievement is incredible on so many levels but yeah I think from an industry point of view you know we're getting there I don't think we're there yet but I definitely think that it's heading in the right direction.
4: It's funny because we always look at future plans and think about careers, but obviously there's so much more to life than just work. One area I want to touch on is travel with you guys. Like, have you got desires to, to travel, to explore the world? And how do you see that? Is it, do you think that's something that's scary, challenging, or very much achievable and out there for you?
0: I think everything, in a sense, is challenging. Everything that you do until you've done it is a challenge because you don't you haven't experienced it. However, I've adopted the mentality that we'll always find a way to do something even if it's not the most easiest way to do things or how people would usually do them. There is a way around things. I think traveling is something that a lot of people aspire to do. However, I think that there's a lot of like logistics and practicalities that need to be thought out prior to doing so because of the nature of our conditions. Our conditions are what they are. We don't make them a big deal, but they still do exist. So they need to be factored into our experiences. If that can be counted for, then traveling is 100% should be accessible to all of us, irrelevant of disabilities, anything like that. Traveling should be something that's done for enjoyment and because we want to do it, not because it's difficult.
1: I think travelling can be made way more accessible than it is right now. I think if anyone out there like works, I know, for travel companies, and they need aeroplanes that can get people on wheelchairs strapped in. Private jets. <laughs> I, <laughs> I yeah, wish. Yeah, private jet, yeah. Like, like um, a wheelchair car. You've got the locks on the bottom of the floor. Put that in an aeroplane. Take some chairs out, lock chairs in. Simple. You don't have to put it in a box and shove it under the plane. Damage at the end of the day, like chairs.
3: I mean, I know my chair was about five and a half grand, and I don't know how much your chair is.
1: The NHS got me on that one, but
3: oh, okay. Well, I I I know chairs are expensive. Yeah. And for it to be damaged is basically the same as an able-bodied person breaking their legs because. 100% 100% Our legs
1: But except you've got to pay You've got to deal with Out in the chair for time
3: Exactly It's, it's good for able bodied people Because they don't have to pay for their legs We do yeah. And we, we could go to the NHS And get free, free ones But they're like The old like granny mobiles And stuff like that And they're rubbish And Yeah they are terrible <laughs> And we would have to re- rely on Especially with me I'd have to re- rely on other people To push me I don't want that. I want to be independent and do it myself and not be the poor little disabled boy that people think I am. I want to be Lewis. That's who I want to be. I don't want to be the poor little disabled
4: boy. So, yeah. So you went to an airport tomorrow. What's in your head straight away? What kind of... You've probably got anxieties and worries about just getting to your destination, Mm. let alone actually the holiday ahead. Yeah, I
3: mean, so I, I, I was in Spain and... Getting through security and everything was totally fine, but I struggled with getting on the plane itself because you can't you can't like get a wheelchair in there uh, in the cab- cabin. I had to use my crutches, and I haven't used my crutches for a long time, um, so I've lost all the strength in my legs and stuff like that. So I found it very difficult, um, and I literally fell asleep on the plane, and I, I only walked like ten, twenty meters, something like that. Um, and I was out like a line. So, yeah, it, was, it is very physically demanding, but when you get to nice places, it's worth it.
2: It's a new experience, isn't it? And, you know, one, one thing that you are especially conscious of is, is what people think of you. Um, we've had this conversation lots of times in that people, human beings, are naturally curious. And so if they see you in a wheelchair, they'll look because that is the nature of people if you saw someone with a blue mohican you'd look and that doesn't mean that they're pitying you it just means that they're curious and i think i can tell with lewis he's he just gets more anxious as time goes on towards getting on the airplane he gets more and more anxious mum we need to get there we need to do this we need to do this and i'm like we're on it lewis it's all being sorted you know we've got passenger assistance which actually was fairly good but it brings another level to your holiday because you're not only having to pack all the medical equipment that they'll need when they're away but then get doctor's letters in order to be able to take that medical equipment on board um you know not trusting the hold because if if you don't have the stuff that you need you can't stay so it brings another level, and I think that there needs to be greater understanding of that, especially when you come to the other side. On the way back, they had no idea. I didn't know how to speak Spanish. They didn't know very much English, so to try and translate that that's a lithium battery on the front of his you know, add-on, yeah, can be quite a challenge. But um, we managed it. Like, like Sophia says, there is always a way. You just have to accept that it may not, be as smooth as you'd like it to be.
4: And Milo, what does travel look like for you? Obviously, we've talked in the past, you've not got a wheelchair to worry about, but you do have your own worries about going abroad. People might not understand if you if you need support. I haven't really travelled much.
5: I went to Menorca like six years ago, but we've got, got something in the New Forest that we go to like every weekend. And that's just my escape. The planes, they scare me for some reason. Like they're just so tight. I don't like it. But... If it's local, we just go there quite often and then it's just my escape and I can relax.
4: What's that feeling like when you walk through the door it's just, to that place in the New I Forest?
5: I could just chill. I just sleep. There's, there's a pool down there as well, so I just go there for a swim every now and again.
3: Do you sleep in the pool?
5: No. Uh, good. I'll go in the sauna, I'll get relaxed and then that's it. Then I'll just go back chill. So I don't do much when travelling, but that's just my escape.
4: Do you think you'll ever maybe broach that worry of planes?
5: Yeah, it's not necessarily a worry, it's just because there's so many people on there, and it's for quite a long time, because the, the furthest I've flown is to Spain, like there, but I don't really remember much about it, because that was my first ever flight, and I was just really excited, so the, I went to Ireland, That's, I can't remember that, That that was fine because It's not that long, but Spain that was quite long.
2: Do you worry about what happens if something goes wrong? Because I know that you have been in and out of hospital so many times. Is that something that you and your family kind of worry about?
5: Yeah, because we were when we went to France a few years ago, I was in hospital for that, and then they've got so head problem. And then I got uh, the consultant said the French they said that they couldn't that you'd have to take him home. But then Dad said, what would you do if he was your son? And then he said, just take him home on the Eurostar. And then just take him home. So
4: I was in hospital for
5: that. And then we just went home.
4: That brings to an end the latest episode of the Knights Foundation podcast. There'll be plenty more on the way soon from Callum, Sophia, Milo and Lewis. But in the meantime, to find out more about the work of the Knights Foundation, head to thenightsfoundation.org.